Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And good morning and welcome back to American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy and holy guacamole. Are y'all getting tired of uh this topsy-turvy roller coaster thing going on with college athletics and with, with are we going to play? Are we going to go to school? Are we not going to go to school? If we have to play tennis, what do we have to do? If we want to play golf, what do we have to do? All this stuff, my golly. It, I, I don't know. It just uh, hits you in the belly over and over and over again. And I just think that, uh, boy, there needs to be some balance here. And, uh you know what? We got to pray for it every day, folks, and we got to ask the good Lord to look out after our families, and we got to go to God first, family second, and then all this other stuff will sort of fall in line. And I'm going to start talking about that a whole bunch nowadays because if you're like me, we are starving for some intervention, some some just the day gone, being able to share things with other people who are like-minded and believe that God has his hand on all of this, and and that's what the heck we're going to do. And, uh, you know, so what the heck, tennis tennis could go be gone in a flash. I mean, are they going to have the U.S. Open? Are they not? We're going to have football? Not. Maybe college sports will be gone in a flash. We don't have much control. But anyhow, we, we're very lucky we get to talk about it. We still have our freedoms in the United States of America, and I am sitting here, and I've got the four freedoms right in front of me in a picture hall all on my wall. And the Norman Rockwell's picture, freedom of speech, freedom from want, freedom from danger, uh, freedom of worship. And, and uh, Norman Rockwell's, what is that, fourth freedom? Dang, I just lost my trend of thought. But anyhow, it's time for American Tennis, and we are going to uh, jump now and, and start talking about a great man and uh, one of the finest human beings I've ever coached, finest human beings and best players I've ever coached, and that's Nathan Thompson, and I'm going to get him on here on the line. Nathan, good morning to you. How are you? Hey, good morning, Coach. I'm doing great, doing great. How are, how are you? Good. Well, thanks for pulling yourself away from what you've got going on. I know you're busy with a new baby and your family and trying to balance this mess. I mean, we're going to get into talking about, you know, what you think is going to happen to college tennis. You've been following the football, Nathan, you know, and you live up there pretty have, close. Yeah, looks, Go ahead. Yeah, looks like the uh, the ACC, SEC are trying to, trying to hold out and trying to keep some hope alive for uh for football but um some of these other conferences have, have folded so they're, they're it's going to be interesting the next few days yeah what happens yeah so. i know and then, and then there's the big 12 and then there's so much talk i mean you listen to sports talk shows and you just get more and more confused 
the one guy finally said, look, he said, or if the Big Ten and the Big 12 are using this sort of as a veil to cover up that thing about trying to get players' unions to not unionize and stuff in college, I, I don't know about all that stuff in the politics, but the bottom line on the thing, here's the thing, Nathan, and I will talk about this a lot, is that where do we go for truth? You, you understand what I'm, I'm asking you? Where do we go? And, go yeah, ahead. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just think that this is uh, this is a challenging time, and it's a, we're in a we're in a crisis, and um, you know, I think uh, I think leadership is important right now, and kind of go, knowing what direction we need to go in and how we need to be thinking. And um, I think, you know, nobody likes making adjustments, but, I mean, we're all kind of forced to figure out what adjustments we need to make in this new world that we're going to be moving into. But, you know, I think we, going for truth, I personally I go I go to my faith. My faith that's, where, that's where I go. I go to, uh, to, to the Lord and, he gives me truth and gives me perspective. And I mean, at the end of the day, we've got a lot to be thankful for and there's a lot of things changing, but, you know, I try to get, try to give thanks for what I do have and um, where I am at in life. So, you know, well, that's, 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 that's a great perspective. No, that, that's fantastic. And we need that rock. We need that rock of truth. Let me just throw this in. You know, I was working on my, PhD program before I left Clemson up there and I worked on it I wish I'd started when I first started 33 years just taking a class but somewhere around my 25th year I just said you know if I take if I just take a class about one a semester I can have my PhD I could be doctor or professor Creasy instead of just coach you know but uh, coaches were always my professors so I'm proud to be a coach but the point I was saying is one of the things that really blew my mind that in the class I was taking, the professor went up there one day and he goes, and he goes, uh, is there truth? What is truth? And uh, his whole perspective was, no, there is no truth. It's all about your perspective, the relative humanist to the point of view. And my, my point here, you know, before we get too deep, is to to say that, that's the way our world is uh, there without having a solid rock to hang on, to look toward. You know, our churches, they have, our, look, you pastors out there, you preachers, you're letting us down, guys. You're letting us down. We need spiritual bonding. We need direction, spiritual direction right now. Right now, right, right here, right now. And uh, let's get it on, you know, because, but anyhow, we've got to talk today i want to talk just briefly about you and uh then i want to talk about your journey but we we do want to get deeper here and talk about these challenges what college athletics really means it's much more than just a entertainment arena and wow i blew off some steam on a saturday getting to watch college football what it really means to these young people and what it really means to our society because we're feeling it we're feeling it right now so if you'll bear with me, I'm going to take no longer than two minutes and 39 seconds if you'll time me. But Nathan Thompson, definitely, folks, yeah. I coach yeah. probably 200, 200 prime tennis players in my 33 years. And Nathan, of course, won top ten, probably won top five. You are a two-time All-American. You're ACC Player of the Year and a national finalist for National Player of the Year. You know, and I got bummed yeah. out that you didn't get it that year, and there was a young man from Kentucky that sure was up for it, could have got it. They gave it to some guy that had yeah. played pro tennis for three years and came back. And folks, can listen to this. This guy played pro tennis for about three years and came back, and he got into college tennis somehow. And, uh, you know, but anyhow, he ended up being player of the year, and that's okay. Good for, good for him. But uh, anyhow, yeah. you were – Anyhow, Nathan. The, 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 the thing yeah, is, I mean, my. Um, I, I was just going to say something about the college journey uh, you had mentioned. 
the importance of college sports. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that, but I actually didn't play tennis in my last two years um, of high school. I, I, I played two briefly, years. but I didn't play tournaments. Two years. Two years. Two years. Yep. Wow. Two years. Yep. I thought About it was one. Years. Maybe I got that wrong on the recruiting visit <laughs> or something. <laughs> but I'm sure glad I recruited I mean, you anyway. a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I – um. You know, I, 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 going to college was a great, great experience. Being on the team was a great experience. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of history at Clemson. A lot of, uh, of great things that happened there, and it was, it was, it was the culture. I think that I, I, I got molded by kind of, you know, the, the competition that, that I was able to embrace, and, um, and just the feeling of being on a team, and, um, you know. I, I think having a, being on a team, at least for these college kids today, it's 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 feel that feeling of having a common goal, um, you know. And I mean that that's that's one of the importance of sports. I think is that I have the ability to break down so many barriers. Um, you know, nobody's thinking about the differences when uh, you know your back's to the wall and you got your teammates there and you're trying to win. Uh, final match and uh, you know it just really brings people together and you know that was kind of the experience that I had from being at, at Clemson and being on the team and you know, I learned a lot about myself and um, you know uh, overcame a lot and you know you just kind of you, you get to learn what what you have underneath the hood when your back is to the wall and, and I think these are principles that we also can move towards in in life and I mean, no doubt a lot of these things have helped me, uh, you know, with life and all the changes and moving and, you know, changing jobs. So um, I think that's the, that's the big thing for, for, uh, for, for, for college sports, the importance there. You know, uh, you bring this up about your growth, and yeah, you, uh, I'm teasing you a little, little bit. You were you played high school basketball for two years. I knew that you were a top 16 year old player at Kalamazoo and everything when you were 16. But then you were going to go basketball, and I, oh, actually, your two older brothers were at Clemson too, so I was very familiar with the character and the fact that you're. You're, you had six children in your family, and so it was scrappy, scrappy from day one. Your your uh, parents and your mother especially toted you guys around a lot, and, and the work ethic was there and everything. But, you know, you yeah. mentioned these things, but in all the things that, that happened, you started out like very low on the team. You're number five or six guy, and I used to tell him, you're a good competitor, but you're throwing sticks, man. you got to develop develop some more shots here right. but the the bottom line on the thing is you develop quite a lot as a player but as a human being and as a leader was just a dynamic thing of time after time after time of seeing you in these battles because you did not just blow people off the court you were very often the last person out there very often you know, making the other guy cramp. Very often you would have these long, long matches. Now, here's my question. Are they trying to take sports away from us? Here's, you know, I'm thinking a little bit conspiracy here with uh, whoever the deep state is or whoever is uh, trying. Are they trying to take athletics away from us? Now, we know they've been dumbing it down. Every one of our organizations they either uh, very innocently do not get it. They're, they don't understand the depth of growth that happens when you kids have to push themselves to the limit physically and mentally and emotionally. Or they either don't get it or there might be something going on that says, you know what, if we take away Americans' uh, ability to fight through things and to to grow through the sport and we're taking away these things like, you know, whether it's the Boy Scouts, sports, uh, you know, just working, coming up working. I mean, the most of our youngsters can't get jobs because of the minimum wage. This is a different story, but the minimum wage being so high, nobody's hiring people when they're 16, 17, 18, you know. And so 
what's your thought on that? Well, is, I guess, is, you know, I think, ahead, uh, I think college, you know, I mean, just sports in general, uh, I always have believed that that's been a rite of passage for, uh, for, for young men. Um, you know, you learn how to grow up. You learn how to be a teammate. You learn how to, how to deal with adversity. And, um, you know, sports, sports are honest. They've been honest. It's, it's, Hey, I, I either win or I lose. Uh, if I lose, I need to, need to go back, prepare, get a little bit better, go back, try again. Um, maybe I'll win the next time, but you know, when I think about the rite of passage of being a man, you're talking about a little, a little bit about, you know, the deep state, maybe the things are being taken away from us. I don't know if I want to get into that, but I do, I do know that for the most part, there's probably four areas that where men are raised and, um, where you have the ability to grow and be, to learn. And, and then I think the, the first one is, is in the home. I think that's where it starts. You've got to, I mean, not that you have to have a great home life, but I think that gives you a, a, a head start as far as, um, you know, growing as a person. And, you know, you do kind of think that that is a little bit under attack as far as, you know, fathers being in homes. You see the statistics are going down with that. And, you know, the other, the other, place people learn to be men or, or in, in the church and if you're not if you're not a spiritual spiritual person or a christian you're not really in the church so i mean the, the last one would be the the military so you know if you if you go to the military i think you have that structure where you learn how to develop some life skills and some things that are really going to be impactful for you um and and, and the, the last one will be sports so those four categories are things that in places that I think develop strong um, men and, and, and the thought that, you know, we won't, we have the, uh, we might not play sports this year. Who knows how long that's going to last. Um, it, it does worry me that, that that would be taken away from some of these athletes because, I mean, I think it was Nick Saban said yesterday, you know, he's going to get criticized for this, but um you know, the best place and the safest place for some of these kids to be is is with their team, um, you know, and to be in that environment of of, of that common goal. Uh, you know, some of them, it's not, it's, not, it's not better for them to be home. It's not better for them to not be working towards something. So um, I think sports, sports has, has, got, has got to go on in some kind of way, and we've got to figure out how to, how to navigate through all of these regulations, and hopefully the people that are making the the decisions at the top, um, you know, hopefully they understand that, and um, you know, they understand. I mean, yeah, we gotta we've got to stay safe, we've got to be smart, we've got to do things differently, and and that's okay. But um, yeah, just I don't think that we should take we should take this away from these young kids. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we don't know all of the if, ands, and buts about it. But the point you made, I want to go back over that. I, I just wrote that down, and I want to put these four growth categories, home, church, military, sports. Those all, all of those are that rock. What do I want to say? That stabilizing rock in our lives that we need to understand what the truth is. And what you said about this is a big thing. Sports are honest. Sports are honest. There's no way around it. You have to make decisions when you fail. You have to learn to be humble and do the right things when you win and handle it in the right way. But sports are honest. And, um, you know, and, and, and that's that's the biggest the biggest biggest thing there so um you know look we need to as as people if, if they don't if you don't, if y'all listening out there don't get anything out else out of today our children need to understand our home needs to be solid we got to get back in our churches folks we've got to get back in our churches we've got to we've got to honor God and come together spiritually with other people who are believers 
And if you're not a believer, I'm sorry out there. Get on, get on board because there ain't much around. I'm telling you, after 60, I've told people after 60, if you're not chasing the right things, you look like a burnout rock star looking for a new gig. I mean, it 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 is not. It's ugly. It it is ugly if you're not, you know, uh, pursuing yeah. these things that are uh, solid. The military, and and all of these things, these are stabilizing factors where. We learn the chain of command of life, and they're honest, and they teach us about the structure on the outside, the uniformity on the outside. And then the, on the inside, if I could make this one statement, on the inside, we're supposed to be completely unique, one of six or seven billion, just unique, like our eyes, like our fingerprint, like everything about us that, that God made us unique. We're supposed to be unique on the inside. And then let's be uniform on the outside through these structures. Now, here's where everybody's getting this wrong. Most people are trying to be diverse on the outside, whether you're doing these eccentric things that are good or not good, but everybody's trying to be diverse on the outside, but on the inside, it scares me that everybody's trying to be cookie cutter and fall in line with one way of thinking now that's they've, that's yeah. completely backwards. I think, folks, that's how we could name this claim and claim this. I don't know how we tame this, though. I don't know how we tame it. But sports is a big deal. Yeah, Can I talk I, about I think, you a little? Go go ahead, Nate. I uh, just go wanted ahead. to chime on that a little bit, Coach. I just think that uh, you know what you said about the outside, uh, this this uniformity, these. Uh, structures help shape us on the outside that's so really good uh, and it's not that these are the only four things that can help shape us but I think these are the four things where the focus is on your development there's people that are in place to help help you to to support you to to, to push you forward and you know, they're investing in you. Um, and I think you've got to learn some of these values uh, in some of these safer places, uh, you know, because ultimately you have to make mistakes before you become the person that you need to be. And, you know, sometimes I think you get out into the real world, you start working, and, I mean, if you don't have a core set of values or you don't have, you know, haven't gone through those, those setbacks of uh, of going after something and not achieving it, uh, but you know, you, there's, there's a lot less grace in the in the real world, and you know, that's what sports does. Sports teaches us, you know, teaches us grace. It teaches us, you know, you you want something, well, you, you got to go after it. If you don't get it, you know, are you going to go after it again? Well, well, how bad did you want it? You know, so uh, it teaches us kind of just to get back up. Um, just to get back up and, and try and try again, try again, try again. Um, there's somebody that said the, the, everything that we want is right outside of our comfort zone. Um, and, and, and the beauty of, 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 of trying to be a great sportsman or trying to accomplish something with sports is that you understand that you understand that my comfort zone is is something that needs to be expanded. It needs to be broken. It needs to it needs to grow. I've got to embrace getting out of that. And um, you know, I just there's just a lot of value that can be added to people's lives, uh, being on the team and going after a common goal. So I I can't yeah. I couldn't have said it better, and I don't know how you could have related it better. But I'm taking down these diamonds you're dropping here, these nuggets. Everything we want is right outside of our comfort zone. And, I mean, we need to tell our children that, too. It's not – I've always said you've got to become comfortable being uncomfortable. But I, I think that you put it to another step. Everything we, we want is right outside our comfort zone. If I could talk about you just a little bit more so people understand, of course you went out to play pro tennis. Um Mm-hmm. after college and i think you were out there for about four years uh i, I counted 27 countries um seven, in, seven years 20 
seven. Wow. Okay. How, how those years go so fast? <laughs> but you went out and you stayed alive on the pro tour, and you got up to being the 22nd ranked American professional. And it, you know, you think about it. If you could have been the 22nd ranked baseball player, professional, golfer, professional, uh, you know, football player, professional. Uh, you would have been financially probably set set for life, but in tennis, you really it's it, it's really an interesting thing. We probably this is for the USTA people. If you're listening, we need a USA American professional tour for Americans only. Okay, so we have professional tour for Americans only, so we can springboard our our players into uh, the world tour, the ATP tour. But that's, I think, would be a huge, huge hit and something we really do need. Um, It is interesting, too, that our feeder system into the professional ranks, um, you know, the college is that, and and it's got its own challenges. That's all I'm going to put. I'm not going to go off in there today. But the bottom line on the thing, we need the feeder system to be better. We need that middle holding pond area where our players can go and grow and they don't get put out uh, and cut up. Because in places you went to, you were – I can remember you going to India starting out, and then you were in, I think, Cambodia. Where is it that you you went into the hospital? I don't want to scare people. Out Indonesia. Here. Yeah, no, Indonesia. Indonesia. Yeah, right. I got a Can bad you... bout with uh, typhoid fever, so I had, um, you know, just gotten a little sick out there. I wasn't wasn't quite playing it as safe as I probably should have, but I I was in the hospital. I recovered. I'm I'm doing fine, and um, you know, some of the stuff that uh, you were you were saying about you know being out on tour, and yeah, I didn't make a lot of money, and uh, but I, you know, I, you know, but I asked myself the question: Well, what, what did I learn? You know, what, what did I learn? Did I learn something of value that is going to add some value to 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 the rest of my life? And I think, I think the biggest thing I I did learn is that, you know, not to be afraid of of change. Don't be afraid of moving, and don't be afraid of 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 getting out of my of my comfort zone and. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm I'm great at that, but uh, you know I think uh, you know I'm 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 okay with change. I'm okay with 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 doing things differently. You know I do feel like now as a coach and um, you know, as a teacher, I I, I that's I got to embrace uh, change and I've got to be able to make adjustments um, and I've got to be able to. Um, to meet people where they're at and walk with them. And, you know, for me, I, I, I was always um, self-motivated. I was always felt like I was trying to do things because I was very competitive and I wanted to improve. And, you know, my coaches, is, you know, including yourself, I always felt like I, I leaned on you for direction, for, uh, for guidance, for, you know, strategy and, you know, how, how do I think through this and, um, you know, as a, as a, as a player, that was, that was easy. And, you know, going into coaching, I know I'm, I'm not trying to transition, but going into coaching, I, you know, I learned that not everybody is motivated. Uh, people are playing, but they're not as motivated. And, you know, I, um, a coach that I admire had said, um, my job is no, is not being the coach of the team. My job is to be the motivator in chief, if you will, but, um, you know, I realize I've, I've got to be a little bit of a, of a motivator and, you know, people don't, yeah, people, I, somebody else told me that the number one motivator for people is avoiding discomfort. People are more motivated to avoid discomfort than they are to, uh, you know, for success. So uh, that was a little bit of a challenge, but, you know, I think being being on tour, I think it taught it, it taught me all of that and uh, helped me transition into coaching and not staying stuck into my own kind of way of doing things. And you know, as a player, you think only about yourself. As a coach, you think about what does the team need? How can I grow the team? Uh, and you know, that 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 transition was 
was more embraced, I think. Um, so. Well, but yeah, I, mean, I did bring get up sick some... in Indonesia. I'm <laughs> <laughs> better now. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, COVID or bird flu. I was over there with the bird flu, but it was. It was uh, typhoid fever. Yeah. Typhoid fever. Now, where you, 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 I don't even want to go there. Did you have anybody come visit you? I did not. No, I didn't. It, so it was basically you. And how many days were you in the hospital there? Uh, I was in the hospital for five, four, four days, four days. Yep. Four days, right. Yep. And then you went back out on tour. I did. You went, I did. Yeah. Right. Talk about the countries that you went to. Talk about the countries you went to in in uh, minor leagues of tennis trying to, uh, uh, um, you know, get it going. Yeah, I mean, I uh, – I traveled to, to Thailand. I went to Thailand, Indonesia. I went over to Asia, did an Asian tour several times. I've been to India, Australia with you guys, New Zealand. Uh, been a lot of time in uh, in, in Mexico, uh, Africa, I was in South Africa. I went over to, to Ivory Coast, uh, up to to Morocco through Europe a little bit, Italy. I mean just where else you know the world the world tour, you know, you gotta you gotta go where the tournaments are. So uh you know, I mean the challenge is trying to make a schedule and trying to stick to it but still being flexible in case something changes and uh you know trying to be able to, to train and keep myself in peak peak physical shape and keep my sanity as I'm going through some of these smaller uh, underdeveloped countries uh, and, 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 you know, trying to make some money while I'm doing it. Uh, but, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good experience. And, I mean, I like the idea of having an American tour. I mean, that, that, that would take some creative thinking. And, you know, it's definitely something that we I could do it. Would, could be a good feeder system for, for a higher level of tennis, so we I, we could we could do it. I, I really do believe that we're to a place. I think maybe the USTA, with the hits they've taken this summer with the virus and all the stuff, I think that we could do it. I think it would be a it could be a big big thing. And uh, but we 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 would just need our marketing people, the people who are out there who are coaches, good marketers and and promoters. I think we could do it. We could start out. You know, maybe in the summers with about five or six tournaments, entry level, and just and then go from there. They wouldn't have to be ATP. We could have an USA rankings. You know, and, and I think yeah. that that would be pretty cool. And um, you know, people gonna have to get past thinking, oh no, we gotta be open to everybody. No, let's make it a sovereign right. event. You know, for USA players, let's. Because here's the thing. Let me. This feeds into a question I had yesterday, and I got to do a little commercial here in a few minutes. But let's get this question. Um, the ba- the uh, baseball coach. We had a. Go ahead, Nathan. What'd you have? No, go ahead, coach. I'm listening. Okay. Um, so we had uh, my base. Our baseball coach asked me here. He said, "Well, where where are the top American players? We need some players out there." I said, "We got hundreds of good." None really great. And I said, there are things, there are some shining stars that you like to see. You love it when a tennis sangren comes up the ranks there and everybody goes, who's he? Oh, he's been out there? Oh, wait a minute, he's starting to shy. You love it when you see the fight in the heart of a Stevie Johnson. Of course, John Isner's been a wonderful champion, but we're we're talking the USA here. We need to have about 30 of those kind of players all pushing to be the best in the world, and where are they at? Well, I, I gave the yeah. you know reason why that the short answer is Americans get happy at being pretty good, but not they're not working for mastery. They work for successes of money and rankings, but they're not working for mastery, mastering their craft. 
And um, what are your thoughts there about us having a lot of good, but but really no one that is great? And we haven't had a Grand Slam champion in nearly 20 years now. Fundamental. Yeah, I mean, Women's you're side, right. we've had some. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right about the the excellence. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know there's got to be a culture of excellence for it to breed excellence. So, uh, but having the the motivation that I could still pursue what I love and what I want to do, and and still provide a source of income and still still be able to you know continue my career because I I honestly think that that might be a reason why a lot of players don't push the envelope. It's uh it's 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 uh you know i guess it's risky people think it's risky i mean the culture here is is let's get good enough to where we can go to college and then get a job and that's there's nothing wrong with that but you know maybe there's some untapped potential that could 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 do something great and uh well you bet you know, i think it always well, helps to see somebody that does it and you know that's uh that, that uh, the idea of an American tour would be would be fantastic because it's 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 you know it could add a lot of excitement it could add a lot of uh, uh, you know we could add a lot of energy a lot of a lot of excitement about the, the sport and maybe there's young kids that 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 look and see these players that are that are doing doing great things with with tennis. So. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot recently. That idea was brought up on J.P. Weber's um, Yellow Ball Network, uh, his program uh, called, I, I forget, but the, I think it might have been Steve Bellamy, actually, who brought up that idea, you know, that we need this for our kids. We need an American tour, and I've heard other people talk about it. But um, folks out there, we, this is what we need. I think we could put together. This is wide open now. It's a, as an independent contractor, you can put on tournaments. You don't have to do everything through the USTA. USTA, this UTR is just—they're lighting it up, and they're like the Chick-fil-A <laughs> of what you know, the enterprising. <laughs> what they're like the Chick-fil-A compared to us stuck in a sort of a, a rut of one person at the checkout at a time, you know, and, um, but the UTR, all the kids are on fire about the UTR and they're given, I think some prize money for winning, which now is wide open because I've got the rule here. Can you believe this? What is it? Rule NCA rule 12 dot one dot two dot four dot three dot four. Prior to full-time college enrollment, players are allowed to make up to $10,000 a year after expenses. So, so I mean, that opens yeah. it up where players, American players ought to be able to, you know, junior players ought to be able to play. But, but I'm talking let's have an American tour where people are really fighting for titles, you know, tournaments of heritage, and also also for the rivalries that ignite people as well. Rivalries important, tournaments of heritage, but also it's the quest for excellence, not just the quest to be good. And I've always said that people want to be good enough now in the USA to not be bad, and then they're okay. And 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 that was unheard of 30, 40 years ago, but now it's like. Just be good enough to to sort of get it done. We've got to go to quick commercial. Nathan, you got 20 more minutes to hang on with us. I do. This yeah, is, we want yeah. to finish strong, but I'm going to go to a commercial here, and we will be right back with American Tennis. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy, and I am so very proud that my book, Coaching Tennis, has been out on the market now for 20 years, and recently it was documented as the third best coaching book and the third highest rated coaching book 
in tennis out there. And, folks, it is still on the market. You go to Amazon now, and you can get one shipped the next day. And it is a book that you will use your entire life. I am completely aware that everyone does not read books from start to finish, but this is a manual that you can teach your youngsters with, coach a high school team, and it is the the pathway from the physical, the mental, and the emotional development of a player, and it is much, much more than just tennis. It's called Coaching Tennis by Coach Chuck Creasy, and I'm very, very proud to say that you can order it on Amazon any day and get it tomorrow if you want. Coach Chuck Creasy, I'm back with American Tennis, and we've got 20 more minutes. I'm so – Nathan Thompson, let's go hear about your journey now. So you went from the pro tour, and you came back, and you said, all right, I'm getting married, and I'm going to settle in and get a business job, and to uh, I'm going to um, try to make a bunch of money and go into the business world and things like that, and – you managed. Listen, you you were managing restaurants yeah. for a while, about what five or six years. Yeah, I um I was managing some restaurants and just trying to build a career, make money, do what you're supposed to do, you know, and uh, be able to support my family. And you know, it was a good opportunity, but I just kind of get to the got to the point where it became my life, and just everything I did was surrounded around my work and not that you know that's that's just not the way that I wanted I wanted to live so we 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 made some very necessary changes and adjustments and ended up moving back into the Clemson area where I was hired um to get back into tennis as the head coach at Southern Wesleyan University and uh, it's just I mean it's been a journey to get back in tennis I feel like it's ignited a lot of energy and passion in me and um, you know it's it's really fun to see some kids improve and uh, to be able to, to, to teach them and to be able to, to guide them and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge young people are a challenge but it's so well worth it and you know at the end of the day I think that you know what what is the point of of, of learning and growing and trying to get to a high level of something if you're not going to pass that along to, to someone else or the next generation. So uh, just trying to, trying to navigate through that and, and, and help the next generation of tennis players. And uh, hopefully we'll see some, some champions come out of, out of uh, the U S here soon. It's interesting, you know, when you get into your, uh, after you've been out there and working for a while, you feel like you climb to the top of the ladder and it might be, you don't want it to be leaning against the wrong house. As they say, you you really want to put your efforts into something that is long lasting and that has to do with, and, and you are just, listen, home and church and sports did you very, very well because your priorities, you put your God and your family first there, and then now you're mentoring. So I'm going to talk briefly about the mentoring. Uh, most of the players yeah. were both you and I coach right now. Most, not all, but most of them will not play professional tennis. Um, probably one in five have that ambition to do that, maybe less. If they're not at one of the Power Five conferences, um, they're saying, well, wait a minute, I can't. I, if I'm not the top college player, how am I going to make it on the pro tour? So how do, do we, you and I, help our players learn to pursue excellence and mastery over just simple successes and just being good enough to hang out? We don't want tennis to become an after-school activity, of course. But the point is, how do we help them learn to pursue excellence. Well, I think it, I think it's uh it's it's them 
knowing and doing those things that make them passionate, that, that ignites a passion within them and, um, and, 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 and makes them come alive. It's like doing the thing that you can do uh, where you don't feel like it's work. And, I mean, everybody's got to do something. So when it comes to, to tennis, you know, if you if if we as coaches and teachers can can see that passion for those kids that come on the court, you know, you said like you said, there's not not every kid's going to try to be, um, you know, or going to be the next best player and the next best thing. But we as coaches and teachers, if we can 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 foster and develop that passion when we have those players that that need the critical development and the critical guidance and and advice and um if, if if we can can ignite keep that fire lit within them and how do we do that i think you know you want to you want to you want to not break the spirit keep continue to mold the things that they do well and continue to develop it and and make sure that you I mean, as a, as a teacher, I think you want to be you want to find the right balance between what's real and then what what is uh, what is their uh, optimism. You know, what, how how can we keep them in reality, but also let them know what could what could be. You know, and you want you want to keep a fine line between that and you know people need hope they need hope but they also need to know what's real i think the reality of of where they're at is what really helps them and um the good players want to know that they want to know the reality while they still have the optimism kind of driving them each day so that's well, well said i could tell you <clears throat> let me tell you this quick story about passion well there's two <laughs> first of all can, uh, I, my question to you in a minute is going to be, can we inspire youngsters who have never been taught about passion first in their sports when they've grown up with, let's just have fun, let's just have fun, let's just have fun. Oh, what, really? We we want to be passionate now? One time I had a young man in camp, and uh, the father on Friday when he picked him up, this has been back in the early 90s, I guess, he said, um, I told him, well, your son's got a little bit of talent here. You know, but he needs to work on this and this and this and this and this and this. And uh, the father goes, well, Coach, I, I don't want him to burn out, and, and which many parents say. And I said, sir, with all respect, you got to have a little bit of fire going in the belly before you could ever burn out. Burn, burn out, and uh, you know. Now this is one of those statements you make. I'm going, oh, why did I say that? But it's Friday afternoon after six days in the hot sun here. Okay, wait a minute. You know, so, so now here's the other story. The other story is, I had a I had a, a freshman that just was really coming along from Florida. I'm not going to say who he is. I still love the kid, and he, he got real good. He was on our conference championship team. Back in, uh, he was 97, I think, uh, which we won the conference after his sophomore year. Well, the, well, the young man came into me, uh, you know, about halfway through the summer and said, "Coach, I, I think he's going to be a junior." I'm saying, "Whoa, this kid's on his way. Ground strokes like nobody's business. Kid could really play." He said, "Coach, I'm going to quit school." I go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, wait a minute. You're going to quit school? Yeah, yeah. I've decided I'm going to go into something else." And I go, okay, wait a minute. Do you understand this and this and this? You had this going, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going, okay, okay. So I, here's where I went with this, Nathan. So parents, you're going to yeah. kick out of this. I said, oh, you're you're going to take up piano. He goes, what? I, no, no, no. I, I, you're you're going to become a writer. That's what it is. What? What? No, are you going to go to jujitsu? You're going to go to jujitsu, right? Coach, what, what are you talking about? I said, well, what are you going to use tennis as being the vehicle for you to express your passion of your heart? This is the emotional outlet and the passion where you have created for most of your life sports arena. And you're telling me you're just going to not go after passionate things anymore? You're not going to express yourself the way you do? 
He goes, oh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. But the long story, the, the young man quit, and he's a wonderful human being. But the bottom line is it, it is about our youngsters. It, it goes back to your four categories, you know, home, church, military, sports. But sports is where the young people learn to express their passion. So here's the big question. we got about ten minutes to solve the, this question. Nathan. How do we get kids to move out of the 55 to 70? I'm pretty good. I'm running at 4,500 RPM, but I don't want to be pushed to 6,500 RPM. How do we go from our good kids to them? It's got to start earlier, but what are your thoughts there? Because we've got a disease of tweenerism here in the United States of America right now that I don't know – and if they and I'm not going to go into the politics about how they propagate tweenerism, but what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Talking to you're talking well, about think, you're I talking think, a bunch of young coaches out there. I think I think uh, when it comes to you know the culture a little bit, we got to talk about the culture a little bit before we start answering this question. The culture in today's world is every a lot of young people are responding all out of their emotions. You know, they're responding off their emotions. How do they feel? How do they feel? How do they feel? And 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 I think as as first as parents and as coaches, we have to be the 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 standards bearer for our kids that are going up and down with their emotions and not quite knowing how to navigate through that and 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 you know clearly what to what to be thinking, but. You know, as a coach, I I know a passion passion is contagious. So if I'm working with a kid, if I'm teaching them, if I'm coaching them, and if I'm not bringing it, if I'm not having – first, if I don't prepare a great lesson for them, if I'm not also reflecting on the thoughts and the what they're feeling and how I can help them get to the next level – uh, there, there's not a lot of movement there. Like, so I think the, the the coaches, as a coach, I think we have to really look at how we do things and make sure that we are giving these kids every attention, every all the details that that they need. And um, you know, you're talking about the comfort level of players in America. Well. You know, I, I would challenge the comfort level of coaches in America to just get by and, 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 and go teach a lesson and, 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 and get a $30, 40 $50 an hour uh, without giving the passion that they have for coaching and teaching to their students. And, and I think that's the thing that's going to sustain um, American tennis is, is our coaches – um, looking in the mirror and and truly, truly giving the passion each day they're on the court. So Nathan, you need to be coaching coaches. Um, I have introduced in tennis. I, I call it the Servid Back Program, <clears throat> but basically it's a three-tier mentoring program. I've discussed it on this program before. But here's the concept. Everyone listening out here, here's the concept. What you do is everyone, I don't care if you're 80 years old or 8 years old, everyone out there should have someone above you that is sort of helping you. I've got two older gentlemen that are 75 I, I try to go see and talk to. All right, And everybody needs someone above them that they can talk to and mentor them a little bit. Everybody also needs to be, be understand, understand that you have a responsibility to mentor someone underneath you. It might be the eight-year-old mentoring a younger brother or sister, just teaching them a little bit. But the teaching has to go on with that youngster for another youngster. And then the critical level is someone who is at your level. You have a best friend. You have someone who is at your level. Then you ask them to please hold me accountable to a high standard. You know what? I can't see myself, and my feelings are not to be trusted. And here's the biggest, folks. Feelings 
do not matter because you cannot control what feelings come to you. But here's what matters about feelings. You can't control feelings or you never have anxiety or anger or being afraid right now because of this virus stuff or whatever. Feelings don't matter. But here's what you must control. You must control what the other person sees in you. But here, you must control what you think and what you do. You control what you think and what you do. Those are controllables. The feelings are, are not controllable. They're going to come. But you've got to have a go-to with those. But we need very much, because we our feelings don't matter, we need, I need you as a brother, or I need someone as a sister to say, look, you're out of line, you're doing this, you're not training hard enough, here's what you do. So with, with my team and the people we work with, we teach a three-tier mentoring program from day one. And, uh, you know, everything about this place is about mentoring and growing and teaching and leadership where I'm working at the Citadel. It's such a fantastic place. But uh, the point being is that we we're missing the boat with that. Could you reflect on that and the responsibility? You, you, you hit it right on the head about the teachers. And we got about four minutes here, yeah. but I want you to you to go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's where the growth happens is uh, is in the teaching because I think that's ultimately where you learn to take on responsibility when you're responsible for somebody else, and you know you can you 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 take that burden on and um, you start to grow as a person, and you know I think there's a lot of motivation for for you to grow knowing that you are trying to pull someone else along. Um, you can't, you can't give what you don't have. So uh, the mentoring program, and then you got to have somebody, you're right, that, that you look up to that is, uh, is successful that, you know, but I think that that doesn't need to be a big gap. I don't want, it shouldn't be somebody that, you know, you, you can't touch who, who, you know, that should be a small gap. I mean, that should be somebody that's ahead of you and that can teach you something and, and motivate you and just steer you straight when you're not thinking correctly. Um, but when it, when it comes to choosing, you know, I think, I think the mentee chooses the mentor and vice versa, but you know, you want to, you want to have somebody that has experience. You want to have somebody that has relevance, someone that has passion, someone that's emotionally grounded and someone that's committed to you. And that's sometimes hard to find, but I do think that as coaches, we can, be that person and 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 give that to to someone else um but you know there's an old the old saying and when the student is ready uh that there's the teacher so the teacher emerges uh, yes 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 um and and the culture is so so important and it takes every every day every day the culture has to be developed and you're always tweaking it but again, we are we are not on this earth to pursue average. Folks out there, look, we're not here to pursue average. We're supposed to be number one in the world at being ourselves and who God made us. That's it. We're unique human beings on the inside. On the outside, chain of command, folks. Chain of command and, and get it right because – but however – you know, with with that, understand that the world right now sort of flipped that, and, and we, it's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance in, in maneuvering through the the things that we have. So very quickly, your pl- immediate plans are to stay coaching Southern Wesleyan University, folks, in Central South Carolina. Look this guy up, Nathan Thompson. Do you have a website or um, – uh, just, yeah, just swoathletics.edu. Okay, Nate is it Nathan Thompson? Yep, Nathan Thompson. Nathan Thompson. Yes, Nathan Thompson. Yes, swathletics.edu. Correct. My email is n Thompson at swoo.edu. Yep. And okay. N Thompson. N Thompson at SWU dot EDU and uh look 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 him up and, and Nathan, um you know, the wealth of information you have given, you've put here on the table, these are all diamonds. And um you know, I, I just cannot thank you enough for the journey that you've shared with us. 
and the wisdom yeah. that you've put out there. And we are in the pursuit of excellence, folks. Come on, yeah. excellence. Yeah. We're we're not cool. after average. Excellent. You know, we're not no, no tweener, <laughs> no tweenerism here <laughs> at all. But but uh, thank you very very much for being on the program today, Nathan. Okay. Yeah, coach. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay. God bless you and your your family, and and folks. That's about it. I want to remind you that you're in the process of winning or losing every day of your life, and it has very little to do. With a win or a loss, and this is Coach Chuck Creasy with American America. Come